0: avatars, holograms, delivery bots, and drones. In this series, we break down the crystal ball technologies making an impact in fashion today. Each episode, we speak to those in the know, tech people who are influencing fashion and fashion people who are using tech in new ways. We look at what's happening now and what's coming next. I'm Megan McDowell, and this is the Tech Edit by Vogue Business.
1: The Tech Edit by Vogue Business is brought to you
0: in association with PayPal Credit, helping your customers buy now and pay over time. Go to PayPal.com forward slash PayPalCredit to learn more. Hello and welcome to the Tech Edit by Vogue Business. I'm Megan McDowell. This week we're talking about augmented reality. Like the name implies, this means augmenting the physical world with virtual objects. These days we usually experience AR through a smartphone. So when you try a face filter on Snapchat or you digitally place a rug in your living room, you're using augmented reality. In the past few years, AR has accelerated. Both the quality of the technology and the quality of the content have improved. Plus, people have gotten more used to the concept. So because of this, AR is graduating from a fun experiment to an important tool for engaging consumers. But still, many say it's still early days. So here with me to discuss this are Carolina Arguelles, Head of Global Product Marketing for Snapchat's camera and AR products, Daniel Beauchamp, Head of AR and VR at Shopify, and Dina Fierro, Vice President of Global Digital Strategy at NARS Cosmetics. Thanks for joining the Tech Edit. Thanks
2: for having us. Thanks for having, us. having yeah.
0: us. So, Carolina, I'd love to start with you. In 2015, Snapchat introduced selfie filters, which For many, it was like the first time that we had really interacted with AR, and it introduced a total new way for us to interact with our cameras as well. So brands really saw this as an opportunity. Tell us about what has changed in the past five years.
1: Yeah. When we think about Snapchat, AR on Snap really did start as that entertainment use case, right? From the dog filter to the dancing hot dog, the Gatorade dunk, where millions of people virtually experienced getting that famous Gatorade water cooler dumped over their head or even allowing you to walk through the Briar's living room from Stranger Things, right? The main reason for these experiences were to entertain and bring joy and delight. And it was really important that we started with that use case at the beginning because it drove millions of people to want to experience and play with AR every single day. We basically used entertainment to educate the mass consumer on how to enable AR and what to do with it through that use case. But there's been definitely an evolution, right? Now AR is no longer experimental and hard to understand. Now 75% of our 229 million daily users are actually engaging with augmented reality every single day. So we've moved from pure entertainment and expanded the use case now, especially into utility. So how can the camera be helpful, let you learn about a faraway place, a product or tutorial on how to do something? And so that's kind of where we've seen this evolution, starting from entertainment and moving into utility, because we've done the hard work of educating users on how this works and getting them to do it every single day. And so with brands, I think it's a really exciting time, especially in in fashion and beauty, because we've been able to learn a lot over the last few years Thousands of brands have activated AR experiences on the platform. Over 900,000 AR experiences have actually been built for Snap. And so this idea that it's still really experimental or still really early, at least for our platform, is definitely not true. But sometimes it's hard. I think brands don't always know exactly when to use AR. And so we sort of think about it in this viewpoint of the three C's of camera marketing right? Using the camera in these three core use cases throughout that customer uh, funnel, which at the top is really around conversation. How do you join people's conversations and help them talk through the camera? To conversion, which is really how do you bring your products front and center to someone wherever they are, especially right now as we're all kind of at home. I think this is really poignant for AR in this conversion part of the funnel. And then lastly, what happens after you actually purchase? I mean, the camera and augmented reality can be such an incredible tool for your customers who've already purchased to teach them about how they use that eyeshadow palette they just bought. Or how do you actually give them an incentive to go and advocate on your behalf and tell all their friends that they've just purchased your product? Like the camera is just an incredible vehicle for those three core use cases. Can you tell us about some of the cool projects you've seen recently and
0: what are brands doing now? I know you mentioned... Everyone's at home, like when we recorded this, everyone's staying at home. So I bet it's sort of one of the only ways to interact with the brand in a more sort of experiential way, really.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think we've seen a lot of brands lean into the camera, especially recently. Um, And there's been a large kind of variety of types of experiences. On one end... You have some brands like Louis Vuitton or brands like even Lego, which you wouldn't think of as a traditional fashion brand, but actually has a lot of fashion merchandise around the Lego brand. And what they're doing is creating these portal type experiences where you can actually walk through a virtual door and be able to get transported into their storefront, even from, you know, the comfort of your living room to be able to walk around. And I think that's really cool, especially thinking about a brand like Lego, you know, in the physical world, even in your physical story, you're sort of bound by the reality of what you can put on your walls and how someone can interact with your products. But with AR, all of a sudden, you can truly, you know, the, the person at the checkout or the DJ in your store is actually a Lego person. You can interact and talk with them as well as seeing your products. And so it's, it's really exciting.
0: Daniel, I'd love to take it to you really quickly to talk a little bit about Shopify's interest in AR because Carolina mentioned, you know, people are at home, they're engaging, they're learning more about the brand, tell us why is Shopify interested in AR now and and what's the latest for you all?
2: Of course, so so Shopify has been looking at AR and VR solutions for the past few years because we're obsessed with finding new ways for merchants to show off their, their products. And the amazing thing with AR is it just gives you more confidence when you're shopping online. We've all been there before. You're on an online store, you see some product photos and you see some dimensions and you go, ah, like, will this actually fit in my space? And you bust out the measuring tape and you're marking up the floor and it's a pain. Whereas with AR, you're able to actually place that sofa in your space or place that bag on your counter, place that lamp on the ceiling. It's an amazing way to increase confidence. So we want to make sure that this technology is in the hands of our over million merchants on our platform. And it's been really amazing to see how merchants have been using it. So last month we launched AR and 3D on Shopify, which means that any merchant on our platform can upload 3D models uh, to their store and their buyers can then view those 3D models on the product pages, but then also launch right into AR. And the best part is it doesn't require an app at all. If you're on an iOS device or an Android device, you can launch into an AR experience to see that sofa in your living room right from the web. You don't have to download an app for every single brand you go to, which is really, really powerful. And that's just some of the tech that we're giving to to our merchants right now. We're seeing pretty amazing results. So Rebecca Minkoff uh, launched AR on her site, and we saw that people who interacted with AR were up to 65% more likely to convert than those who didn't. So already we're seeing that people who see stuff in AR are more confident in what they are or purchasing and then more likely to to buy.
0: I remember when that came out a few weeks ago, I it was so cool because I was I was interacting with a Rebecca Minkoff bag and I didn't actually realize how big it was until I placed it literally in my hallway table and I was like, oh wow, this is not a small bag, this is a larger bag. And I can totally see how after seeing it at home, I was like, oh, maybe I should keep it at home. You know, maybe I should buy it. So I totally see how that would happen.
2: And the challenge there is for brands to actually get 3D models of their products. For a lot of brands, that is completely new territory for them. They're used to photos, they're used to video, but you say, hey, you have to have a 3D asset of your product. They have no idea what you're talking about. So we're making it easier by providing sort of a pipeline for our merchants to easily get 3D models of their products, they take a few photos of their their products. So let's say you're doing a Rebecca Binkoff bag. You take a photo from the front, from the side, maybe from the top. You add a few measurements in there, and that gets sent off to one of our partners who actually create a 3D model of that product for you that will then um, appear on your online store.
0: That's a pretty big deal because I can imagine, I mean, I wouldn't know how to create a 3D model, right? Like if I wanted to do something in AR, do something in Snapchat or Shopify or on my e-commerce site, I guess it's a pretty big barrier to entry, but I bet customers are loving that feature.
2: They, they are. So we actually just launched something this morning that is kind of the stopgap for merchants that don't have 3D models yet. It's something called size link. So it's just size.link uh, in your browser. You just put in the dimensions of any product and press visualize and a 3D box of that size will plop down in your space. So if you're looking for that, you're you're on some online store, you see a sofa you like, and they don't have a 3D model, you just grab those dimensions, go to size.link, put it in, and right in your browser, a box the exact size of that sofa will appear and you can position it and, and get a good idea without having an actual 3D model of the product.
0: So the customer can do that.
2: The customer can do it. The merchant can embed a link to that on their store. So if they don't have a 3D model yet, but yeah, I use it all. the. I just moved into a new house and I've been using it just to like place furniture and test stuff out without needing actual 3D models. It's super useful.
0: That's so cool. Uh, Well, Carolina, I understand Snapchat also is um, kind of connecting brands with these amazing creators to sort of unlock creativity and like learn new stuff. Is there anything you can share there about Snapchat, hoping that brands have access to these tools and talents?
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, we kind of talk about it as AR democratization. And for us, that's really critical, right? For AR to really take off everywhere and be as pervasive as video is, which I truly believe it will happen. It really needs to be this cross accessibility of the tools to build it, how easy it is to build and how efficient and cost efficient it is to build. And so for us as a Snapchat, you know, we've made a lot of investments in making it really easy to build with AR directly with tools that are completely free to download, like our tool called Lens Studio, as well as onboard a large set of agency and creative partners for brands to work with. And that's a really big area of investment for us, which we call our Lens Creative Partners who've been certified and We have now over 130 global partners that we put brands in touch with, and they tell us what they want to do. Do you want to reproduce your product line? there are certain partners that are amazing at that. Do you want to have these really immersive portal-like experiences where people are engaging with your brand and doing different type of firework displays? Then there's different partners that are really excel at that. It just depends on what you want to do.
0: I mean, it's really a totally new skill, right? It's not like something that you've anyone has been studying for years and years probably.
1: Yeah, it's interesting though. I think In a lot of people's minds, people are intimidated by AR and creating AR and 3D, and it feels really intimidating. But what's actually been quite incredible is that some of our most successful AR creators did not come into using our tools with a full 3D or gaming background. They are actually 2D illustrators and really proficient at Photoshop. But because of how we built our tools with a lot of templates, they actually learned the tools. And now they're some of our most prolific kind of AR creators with millions and millions of organic views and shares of their experiences that they're seeing on even a weekly basis.
0: Are you seeing people or brands think about how AR can be interesting within the context of whatever space they're in? So, you know, once we are able to go to stores again, are there uses for AR in that use case? Totally.
1: I think one of the brands that's been doing this already And will be very interesting to see how their strategy evolves with the evolution of technology is Louis Vuitton. So Louis Vuitton is an awesome example of a brand where already they've activated campaigns where when you are physically at the Louis Vuitton store, you can actually unlock an AR experience that helps enhance that in-store Time. So while you're shopping the store, you can actually have this really amazing face experience that has that LV iconic monogram sort of floating around your space. You know, flip the world camera and again, see how their kind of ethos, philosophy, and you know, iconic brand starts to pervade your in-store experience. And what that's done is not only make their customers have a more engaging experience, but it's turned people who are walking to their store and are interacting with their products into advocates. They then want to share that. So they're then telling all of their closest friends, hey, I'm at Louis Vuitton right now, and look how awesome this experience is. So they're doing two things. They're enhancing that in-store experience. At the same time, they're also advocating to their friends.
0: Right. Totally. I mean, if you saw butterflies flying out of a bag or if
1: you saw, I don't know, clouds floating in the in the sky of the store, who wouldn't want to share that, right? I think the camera totally changes what it means to look at the world around you. And a big part of that isn't just the 3D augmented reality experience. It's also making the camera smarter, the camera understanding what it's actually looking at, being able to recognize the logo, being able to recognize that product. And so for us, you know, we're not just inv- investing in AR, we're also investing in a lot of our investments in visual search, computer vision, AI, so that we can actually identify things in the camera and help really bridge the physical and digital world together.
0: Dina, I'd love to take it to you for a bit. You're the vice president of global digital strategy at NARS Cosmetics, and I understand you are really keen on AR. Tell us about the brand's AR strategy and maybe how that's evolved.
3: Sure. You know, I've worked in and out of the fashion and the beauty business for many years, and I think AR in beauty is really quite mature. You know, it's almost a consumer expectation, particularly when you think about site experiences and in-store and counter experiences for beauty brands. So for us, you know, the focus at the moment is really on integrating AR into any and Every relevant surface area, so that might for example live across social media that might live across various media surfaces and ultimately we really want that technology to serve the consumer so I think it was super interesting to hear you know snapchat's POV because they were really such innovators in AR and you know two that point, like AR can be incredibly fun. It can be extraordinarily entertaining and engaging, but we also want to leverage that technology to inform and educate the consumer.
0: Tell me all the places, I mean, or just kind of like a highlight reel of all the different, I guess you call them surfaces in which the brand has tried AR, or used an AR experience.
3: From a consumer facing standpoint, we you know, have AR try on implemented across all of our D2C sites So if you go to narscosmetics.com or any of our our global sites, you can essentially try on any color um, skew in the collection. And it is a very authentic sort of true to life experience to try on that product. You know, of course, we also have AR enabled on counter and in store. Um, You know, some consumers come in and they really want to have an artist led experience, and then others are much more interested in sort of, you know, exploring and potentially sharing products that they're trying on with friends or saving them for later. So that's been a really interesting mechanism, for example, to drive data capture and enrichment. Um, And then from from a social standpoint, you know, we've definitely done quite a bit of experimentation in the past year plus. So, you know, that includes, for example, Facebook media, that includes pilot programming on YouTube. Um, And then we were also one of the very early partners on Instagram to enable AR try-on across Instagram checkout. So I think, um, you know, the YouTube program in particular was, was quite interesting because, it was really a first-to-market execution, which we executed in five of our global markets. And we essentially piloted AR Tryon across not only our own channel, but also across Math 10 and Discovery Media. So we leveraged creators in that content, local market creators, um, and we really used them as a mechanism to educate the consumer on the technology. And that was really, you know, a super interesting and very successful program. You know, the data points that we were really looking at in terms of measuring success were tied to engagement and ultimately i mean the the engagement data was was really quite quite impressive so i would say across the board we saw more than 2 million shades of lipstick that were tried on by consumers. And I thought it was super interesting to see as well that the average consumer spent well over a minute engaging with the technology. And they were trying on not just one or two shades of lipstick, but they were actually trying on 15 shades of lipstick on average per session. So it was just an incredible amount of time spent and an incredible level of engagement that we saw from the consumer in that surface in particular.
0: I mean, I can totally see why, because normally when you try on lipstick, it's hard to wipe it all off. You're not going to likely try on 15 lipsticks in the store at any time. But I mean, if you could, why wouldn't you, you know? (laughs) So are there any countries, when you mentioned that the YouTube try on in different markets globally, were there any countries that were really, really keen on it? Like they adopted it the most?
3: I mean, I would say that we definitely saw the strongest engagement in Japan, um, so I think that that is, you know, probably for a few different reasons. You know, I think generally speaking, a lot of our Asian markets really over-index as it relates to tech adoption, and virtual try-on is definitely a pretty expected experience through a lot of the local social ecosystems, and also, you know, again, on counter and in stores in those markets. So the consumer is very used to engaging with AR try-on. They also tend to have you know, the most sophisticated mobile devices. So we didn't, for example, have any issues around accessibility of technology that we saw in some of the other markets as we were testing sort of different forms of media.
0: Are there any other challenges or roadblocks now that you're facing? I know obviously technology is improving, access is improving. Any sort of um, issues that you're working on now?
3: You know, I think the overall challenge is definitely, you know, in the development. At this point, we have developed AR to live across so many surfaces. So I will say within NARS, we definitely have the process well established. But overall, especially for color brands in beauty, you really want to ensure that that virtual try-on experience accurately represents, for example, the shades and finishes in the collection. Um, And there are a lot of factors that come into play in terms of ensuring a positive experience for the consumer. So for example, you know, obviously as a brand, you have no control over the lighting scenario if a consumer is engaging across social or across media. And that can definitely impact how the color displays within the experience. And then you also really need to think about, you know, particularly again in beauty, taking into account nuances in skin tone, for example, and undertones, because you really want to ensure that, let's say, you know, a beautiful red lipstick like, um, you know, NARS Heatwave that displays as true as possible on a skin tone that might be very fair. And then likewise, you know, a skin tone on the deeper end of the spectrum.
0: And, you know, the consumer doesn't even probably is not privy to all that those nuances, right? Daniel and Carolina, I love to kind of look into your crystal ball and see what, what you're excited about for the future. So Carolina, tell us a little bit about what you envision or what Snapchat is working on. I don't know if you can share maybe spectacles a little bit, how that comes into play. Yeah,
1: definitely. You know, think about our lives today, for the most part, we basically still have to ask the computer for what we want, right? You type into Google a search, you ask Alexa what you want to listen to there's this division between our real physical life and the digital world. It's isolated kind of in our phones and computers, but, We believe that the camera is what will fundamentally change our lives because the camera will allow us to automatically receive digital information and have it be relevant to what we're doing and what we're looking at without actually having to ask. It's this automatic access to digital information, the idea of computing overlaid on the world. So what will it mean for fashion, right? Imagine walking into a Dior store when you have digitally enhanced camera on your face. Will you see those iconic Dior butterflies gracefully flying around the store while you shop. When you pick up a handbag, will your glasses automatically point out the pebbled leather interior and the width of the handles? The ideas are really limitless. And the crazy thing is, is that this future is actually not too far away. And at Snapchat, we're making kind of core investments in order to shepherd this future. Things like, of course, augmented reality, things like Scan, which is our visual search capabilities, where our camera is already identifying products when you hold and press pointing Snapchat's camera. And the last thing, of course, is spectacles, which is our investment into wearables. Those are sunglasses that have snap-enabled cameras on them. And all of these different strategies come together to really start to shepherd this new wave of life that we'll start to experience over the next five to 10 years.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's so cool to think about because, I, I mean, I wear glasses every day. Think how many times I go to my phone to find some you know, small bit of information. If it's already displayed in front of me when I'm looking at something, it's like it's kind of hard to imagine how that's going to change how we interact with everything, right?
2: Shopify is definitely aligned with that as well. Like We see wearable spatial computing as the next platform that people will be having these glasses on there that will allow you to seamlessly merge the digital and the physical world together. And what's going to be really exciting about that is at a certain point, Everyone just gonna expect shopping online to have 3D models. Like 10 years ago, when you went to a website and there were no photos, like product photos, you were like, this is weird. But in the in, you know, a few years from now, when you're you're shopping online and there's no 3D model that you can view in AR with your glasses, you're gonna be like, whoa, wait, what? Like that's weird. So brands are gonna have to make sure that they're ready for that. And that's why Shopify is leveling that playing field to make sure that it doesn't matter whether you're a huge brand, or a small mom-and-pop shop starting up down the street, you have access to these AR and VR technologies that are coming out.
0: So, yeah, you mentioned VR. How does that play into this? Because as I understand it, once you have these 3D assets, this 3D content, it can kind of be used outside of just AR on our phone and a shopping experience. What is your kind of crystal ball prediction or even maybe you have knowledge of of where this could go with beyond just um, shopping in AR on your um, phone.
2: For sure. So when we look at VR and we look at AR, we like right now we see them as separate, but it's not gonna be too long before they're gonna merge into one. And really it's gonna be a single device, like let's say these glasses you put on your face, that let you choose how much of reality do you wanna keep and how much do you wanna leave behind? Because if you're shopping for a sofa, you want to see your living room and you want to augment it with that 3D model of a sofa. But if you're shopping for a a tent, Do you want to see a tent in your living room? Or do you want to see that tent on the mountain or in the forest that you actually be camping in? So there you can actually choose to say, oh, like, I don't want to see my living room anymore. Block all of that out. Put me in the forest, but maybe keep my coffee table and my dog around because I don't want to run into him and I want to be able to access my coffee. So my world at that point is like 80% virtual and 20% real. So it's playing with that spectrum of reality that's going to be really exciting. And like I said before, it's that seamless integration of of digital and and physical.
0: So interesting to think about and I hope it comes sooner rather than later. I know we've been kind of talking about this for a while. Any sort of expectation of timeline for for you or Carolina on when we might have something like this?
1: I think one of the the biggest determining factors for that, you know, far of that daily kind of behavior change will definitely come when we start to see the migration of cameras being available in more of your wearables, more around you. They're going to be always in stores. They're going to be in your home. They're in your mirror, in your bathroom, and they're on the glasses on your face and potentially even in your contacts, right? I think when you start to see the migration of cameras in more devices, which you already are, this is where you're going to start to see that change. But I think we can't lose sight of the fact that a lot of this is already happening today on mobile. I mean, you're holding your phone in the palm of your hand throughout the entire day. And there's no mistake or or accident that every single new iPhone is basically just a better camera. (laughs) It's very intentional.
3: You know, I think the challenge with VR, there's a few challenges, but, you know, right now that hardware is still quite cost prohibitive. And I think until the cost of that hardware comes down considerably, you won't see mass consumer adoption. And until you have mass consumer adoption, you won't necessarily have scale in terms of brands, organizations, entertainment companies, building compelling experiences for VR. So right now it's a little bit of a chicken and an egg scenario.
0: So at NARS, if you could have like a magic wand, are there any AR or maybe even VR capabilities that you would love to have or that you're considering, you know, adopting or would love to try?
3: Yeah, I think from an AR standpoint, there's so many places where I can imagine AR try-on being integrated. Um, to really enrich the consumer experience. So just thinking about, for example, bringing AR to live chat, or messenger experiences. So that if I'm a consumer and I'm engaging with customer service or with a NARS artist, I'm able to have a much more immersive experience with the product to try that on and to get feedback directly from a NARS artist while I'm considering the purchase. So I think that's super interesting. And then, you know, one other piece um, that I would love to see come to life in the relatively near future is really integrating Um, some level of AI driven personalization to the AR experience. So for example, you know, being able to connect the dots, knowing that I've tried on, let's say six shades of red lipstick, but I still haven't converted. So what is the next product that should be recommended from the catalog? You know, what kind of might push me over the edge and get me to try that product to make that purchase? So those are, I think, a couple of really interesting ways that AR might enrich that consumer journey in beauty specifically.
0: Well, thank you all for joining us. Before we go, we like to ask every guest the same closing question. What is the one technology that you still do not understand? Carolina, how about you?
1: Well, I know this is kind of a weird one, but um, I still really do not understand the tech behind the CVS receipt printer. (laughs) I mean, firstly, it just, it never stops printing. The the thing is longer than a Dead Sea Scroll. And then secondly, (laughs) they give you all of these coupons, most of which aren't really that helpful, but regardless, you're given them after you've actually made the purchase. So I'm just a bit at a loss every single time. So I guess it's not that I don't understand the tech, it's that I don't understand why the tech isn't better. Um, Feels especially relevant as we celebrate Earth Day this month.
0: Totally. Well, I mean, confession, I have um, gone and checked out at CVS like three times in a row during one shopping journey once because of the coupons. So like, I literally (laughs) made three checkouts. So (laughs) yeah, maybe they're targeting me. (laughs) There, There has to be a better way though. So Daniel, what about you?
2: Um, there's still aspects of machine learning that are just such a big black box to me. Like there's so many great tools out there that you like put in inputs and then magically stuff comes out and you're like, that's kind of what I wanted, but I have no idea how it got there. And I always have a laugh when I see like these startups being like, oh, this is driven by machine learning or driven by AI. I'm not even sure if they know what's going on with the ML models. In there. Like, <laughs> it's just like, it's just such like a, a buzzword out there that it, it's. I I find it kind of funny and there's there's still parts of it that I definitely do not understand.
3: Dina, what about you? You know, I'm going to be honest and perhaps I should be embarrassed, but (laughs) to date I've managed to remain willfully ignorant of some of the live stream platforms like twitch oh yeah um so i've just kind of opted out of those streaming interfaces i think because you know i think of them solely as gaming destinations which is absolutely not the reality Mm -hmm. Um, so we'll see what happens you know we're going to be socially distancing for the immediate future so it's possible that my curiosity will get the best of me maybe i'll tune into some live streams on twitch in the next couple of weeks well thank you all for joining thank you thanks so much it's a great conversation
0: Next week, we'll be joined by the Yes founder, Julie Bornstein, Moto Operandi CEO, Ganesh Srivats, and Yardin Horwitz, co-founder of trend prediction agency, Spate. We'll be discussing the latest in using data to understand consumer behavior. Don't forget to subscribe to ensure you don't miss out on each new episode. You can find the links on Spotify, iTunes, or of course, via the Vogue Business website. And for more coverage on the future of fashion and technology, subscribe to my weekly technology edit newsletter at voguebusiness.com. Our executive producer was Aled John. My name is Megan McDowell, and that was The Tech Edit. Thanks for listening. The Tech Edit by Vogue Business is brought to you in association with PayPal Credit, helping your customers buy now and pay over time. Go to paypal.com forward slash PayPal Credit to learn more.